Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 1, Brother, is over. But we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. My name is Jessica Lease, and we are here to break down everything in this episode from where is the red thing to a little bit of discussion of the healing power of math, people. And with me, as always, is my brother from another mother, Mr. Rob Sesternino. Yes. Jess, how are you? Oh, I'm great, Rob. I'm so jazzed that this is back. I didn't know how much I missed it. Yeah, this was a really fun start to the new season. They really uh, got out of the gates hot. Yeah, this was a lot. It was a great self-contained episode, too. I don't feel like you had to know anything about the madness of season one. To just dive right in here. I think I forgot a lot about the madness of season one. Oh, you're telling me <laughs> I, the, the previously ons. I was like, OK, I remember like bonkers reveal after bonkers reveal. But this is still like all of this stuff that I can't even remember. And now we are also called upon to dig into the recesses of our brains and pull out a whole bunch of original series trivia as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they went to the mirror universe last season. They did. And it was a war with the Klingons. There was. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that one of the crew members was a secret Klingon, and then yep. the captain was a secret Mirror Universe, and then... Lorca, I remember that. Yes, and then Mirror Universe counterpart of Dead Captain came back. Mm-hmm. And now, here we are, the war is over, it is the dawn of a new day, and we're supposed to get a new captain, and... Rob, I want to get your take on this because I felt like this was an unnecessarily an unnecessarily complicated way to bring the new captain in. Mm-hmm. Where the Enterprise had uh, been so damaged that they needed a new job for Christopher Pike. Yeah, basically, he and the way that he steps on board and he's like, "Oh yeah." I, I was basically just prank calling you. I figured I'd get a ride from you guys since. Mm-hmm. My old gig is over anyway. Mm-hmm. So you what, do what? We, what do we what do we think care. happened there? You don't care? Uh, I, I I love I love Christopher Pike. This is Christopher Pike is awesome. He's a pretty awesome dude. He's been awesome in every incarnation so far, and he's shown up in quite a lot of places, Rob. Are you familiar with the original series portrayal of Pike? Yes, yes, in uh, that he was in the original Star Trek pilot and they recast uh, Shatner as Kirk, right? And then they ended Mm -hmm. up using that pilot footage in uh, the two-part episode, The Menagerie. That's that's right. Uh, The original pilot was called The Cage and there was the three main people on the Enterprise in the original pilot were... Pike and Spock and number one, who was a female, she was like the female XO. And mm-hmm. then they decided to just recast it. Almost everybody except Spock. They're like, he's okay. We can keep him. Yeah. Uh, number one wasn't Magil Barrett, was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yes. And she has gone on to play many roles in the Star Trek universe, including walks on a Troy and the voice of the computer in deep space nine and nurse she, chapel, Norse chapel. Yeah, yeah. She's greatly missed. Yes. Yes. But Pike is an interesting character, I think. Um, and I felt like a lot of this episode was just bringing in so much original series nerdery that 
at times it was kind of hard to concentrate on the very competent and very well thought out plot that was happening. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Uh, in what way? I thought that you're spending so much time like breaking down and discussing like, oh, look, you have different uniforms. Oh, yeah, these are the new uniforms. What do you think? And then the focus on the, the Spock mythology, which I'm sure we will talk about. Mm-hmm. But you're spending so much time like, how does this all fit into the greater universe that I think it was hard to really be present in the moment? Like, what happened to the Enterprise? We don't know. We'll find out, I'm sure. But it's like, I want to know what are the red things? And I want to yeah. know, you know, I want to know what is this ship that's crashed and are they going to be okay? And here's another thing that I hate about this rolling the mythology in. Mm-hmm. I really. There are points where I think it sucks out some of the suspense because there's a point where we have we send four people out. And this is one of the chief gripes of Star Trek at large, of course, Mm -hmm. four people out. And it's Michael Burnham and Captain Pike and rando number one and rando number two. Yeah. If all four of these people are not making it back. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I felt like that. Was it Connolly? Was that the guy that yeah, just got, got smashed? That uh, I felt like that he died, you know, 15 seconds after I figured he was going to be dead. That's true. He overstayed his welcome. <laughs> he overstayed his welcome. He's like, he's like, oh, don't worry about this. I got this. Uh, do you like that Star Trek Discovery? Are they doing a new thing where they're going to randomly kill the blue shirts? Maybe. I think this also saps the suspense out of some things, because if you just pick one color and keep killing that guy. Yeah, I think I think we need to make it random. (laughs) And although on Star Trek Discovery, I think the only choice you have is to kill the blue shirts. Yeah. Yeah. On on the actual ship discovery. Yeah. Yeah. I was so happy when uh, Connolly got his. Yeah, he was he was not a pleasant character. (laughs) It was Such like, a no already, already, the second he shows up, you're expecting Spock. And it's like, oh, you're not Spock. Well, <laughs> what good are you? Yeah. Other science goes, officer. Yeah. Then he goes on to make even your already low expectations of him. He fails to live up to those. Mm hmm. Just the engineer, what was going on with her? Like she had something like on her. It was like some sort of like a orthodontic uh, gear. Uh, is that is she not a human? Is there something going on there? I'm not sure. We've seen a few people like that. Um, I think <laughs> we also have to point out. Um, we have to point out Detmer on the Enterprise yes. or on the Discovery. Detmer yes. has that kind of same thing going on. I think it's more that. Sometimes something happens to your face and Mm -hmm. they don't have exactly the perfect plastic surgery technology to fix it. You end up with some cybernetic parts like (laughs) Detmer has the fake eye and she has the kind of metal stuff. I think it's kind of the same thing with this with this other officer. Yeah, I'm so confused most of the time with uh, what's going on that I just roll with it. But yeah, that I I do understand that Detmer did not have that in the pilot for Discovery. But you would think, I mean, based on everything else that we see them do in sickbay, that that seems like a stretch that they, you know, that they I think they just thought it looked cool. Well, Detmer's whole thing was that she was disfigured as a result of Michael Burnham's mutiny. Mm -hmm. And then she 
And then when Michael Burnham comes back, she has to look her in the face all the time. Yeah, but she has a good look now. Yeah, it's, I mean, it works for her. She's rocking it. Yeah, I think it works. Yeah, I think now that now that in, they have a bigger makeup budget in the Star Trek world is the reason why everybody in the Discovery universe is from such diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. and has like weird metal things on their face. And there's all these different like there's the race of lizard aliens that don't cover their mouths when they sneeze. Yeah. Was that a Gorn, Jess? <laughs> it, it was Gorn-esque. I don't <laughs> think it was a Gorn. It's the only Gorn in Starfleet. And he's got a cold. <laughs> I think I read a fanfic like that once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- that was funny, but uh, that's, that seemed out of place to me. The sneezing alien uh, <laughs> in the elevator. Yeah, that was like that was like something out of Star Wars. Yeah, poor Connolly. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, first he gets sneezed on and then he dies. Like maybe he was going to die anyway. Like maybe he caught something from that guy. Maybe <laughs> patient zero. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if diseases are communicable between whatever that guy was and humans, but we'll never get to find out. Alas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love so, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll see more of him because you wouldn't make that suit and then never use it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I I do I do enjoy that they're they're, they're not just thinking of Starfleet as being like a whole bunch of white people. Uh that it is much more diverse in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And one of those ways is we're going to fold in people from a lot of different alien races and a lot of them are going to be like the only one you see just because we don't want to make a whole bunch of suits like that. And also it makes for interesting backstories. Like we already found out a lot more about Saru, which I thought was great. Um, And I think the short treks, they're already trying to fold that short treks mythology in there. So they don't feel like they wasted their time with that. Yeah. You hear, you hear Saru kind of open up about his sister that he doesn't talk to. And I was like, yeah, I don't talk to my brother either. It's real rough. (laughs) And I guess we're supposed to be excited for Spock. Are you excited for Spock, Rob? Yeah, I I am excited. I think that they've done a good job of sort of like uh, building out this mythology of that there was a reason why Sarek and Amanda brought Michael Burnham into the fold and the, you know, relationship between them that they did not get along. Spock did not want to have a sister and I thought that they did a, a, a good job there. And I, and I think it's going to be interesting to explore sort of like the uh, young side of Spock, of what it was like as he was becoming the character that we know as the fully formed Spock. Yeah, I did think it was a little weird that they that when Michael Burnham shows up at the Sarek family's house, Amanda says, oh, someday I'll get you back to Earth and you can talk to people from Earth. And it's like, don't these people ever have email? Don't they have Skype? Like, aren't there humans she could talk to at some point in her life? I felt like that was a little bit. It was a little bit insensitive to Michael Burnham, who's just lost her parents (laughs) and is now going to have to be like absorbed into this other species that doesn't, you know, has a whole different value system and has a whole different take on everything. It's like, now you're going to be entirely governed by logic and we're going to, we're going to hate on humans every chance we get. And there's (laughs) one human that you could identify with, but 
you know, she might promise to take you to see other humans and then never follow through. <laughs> and she's going to read you the same story every day of your life. You only get Alice in Wonderland. You only That's get it. one human story. <laughs> I hope you like it. Although in fairness, you have kids, Rob. Yes. You know that they go through phases where they only want to hear one story. Yes. So that could maybe not entirely be on Amanda. Yeah, hopefully, you know, Michael Burnham really liked that story. Yeah, well, it seems like she at least, it res- something in it resonates with her because she's still reading it to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's touch base with, like, other people that we're catching up with. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot of people kind of moving around in this universe. Uh, it seems like, seems like Tilly is settling into her command training role very well. I even gave her some actual responsibilities, and she herself with a fair amount of competence yeah tilly uh always fun she didn't have a lot to do in the first episode back but they gave her a short trek to uh, hold her over so <laughs> hopefully she's doing okay yeah they, they hinted at she's gonna have a bigger role because of course the power duo and when they do the star trek discovery amazing race this is the team i want to see is tilly and stamets mm-hmm is Stamets really leaving? No way is Stamets leaving. I think it's okay. It was more of a. I, I feel like it was, they were hinting at it, and then he. I think we're meant to believe that at the end of the episode, when they come back with the sample of the asteroid, and he's so excited that they made it work, it's more of a just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So I hope yeah. I hope Vulcan had a contingency plan for whoever they were going to bring in as a lecturer. I hope there was somebody else they could call on. Yeah, because he uh, was talking about the opera and, you know, he saw his whole life as uh, what, what was this? Uh, the Khaleesi opera. opera. Yeah, I like yeah. Khaleesi opera better, but yeah. yeah, it was just like that, that he hit his high his high E and that was it. He was ready to leave. Yep. And then he was going to die, which that, that feels to me like a plot point we borrowed from the fifth element. But um <laughs> Never mind that. Here's something I noticed that was interesting about Stamets. Um, and I don't know if you caught this too, and maybe I'm reading too much into things. Why is Wilson Cruz listed as main cast this year? Mm, that what was that that he was watching? I thought that was weird. Like I was like, oh, what is this? Like, uh, are we like the Stamets have some sort of like a uh, is he like daydreaming? And then it's like, oh no, maybe he's in his quarters, like watching this video. I'm like, no, he's at work. Like that's weird. Yeah, like you've never browsed the internet at work. Mm, yeah, I guess so. But it feels weird that, you know, in the middle of engineering, he's watching these videos from his, uh, you know, uh, deceased uh, boyfriend. Were they married? Were they married? I don't know. I forget the, the, the details of the relationship. Yeah, I don't know if they were married or not. But yeah, I guess I give him a pass on that because he's been through a lot. Um, I guess so. But does are we are we to believe that uh, that Hugh is coming back in some form or is it just for this episode that he gets to be in the main credits? Uh, I think that we'll probably like, you know, uh, see or hear him in flashbacks. But I, I think uh, we, we have not seen the last of Hugh. So he left a lot of these uh, visual voicemail things that we could just watch a different one every week. 
I don't think it's going to be every week. <laughs> I don't think it'll be every single uh, week. But I, I think maybe uh, my over under on the season is two and a half more times. OK, so it's not going to be a framing device like the Doogie Howser diary. I don't think so. I don't think that he's going to be like the force uh, Obi-Wan throughout the season. Well, we force Hugh. They got to think of a lot of things to do with Hugh, because if they're going to keep him in the main credits, we got to we got to get that actor some work. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe mirror universe. Hugh is going to be in the picture. That's always what they go to if they're like, oh, well, we killed this character off, but we decided we want to keep him around. It's either that or his like half Romulan offspring that looks exactly like him. Yes. Yes. Just speaking of characters that got killed off, did the CBS all access after show get killed off this season also? Um, I have not heard anything about the CBS all access after show, but I got killed off. I think maybe they took that entire budget that they were using to produce the after show and put it into one of those 9000 remakes they're doing. Um, spinning off into this universe. Yeah, they just use that to make more original content and less after shows. Yep. More original content, less after shows, which I think is a win for everybody. Is that what they're going to do with the Talking Dead, Jess? Um, I think Talking Dead is never going away. <laughs> if anything, they're going to they're going to make a reaction <laughs> show about the Talking Dead. They're going to spin off the Talking Dead. Yeah, the spin off <laughs> Talking Dead comes on after the Talking Dead. Then it's called Talking <laughs> Talking Dead. <laughs> can i host that one no, i would love that um i think yvette nicole brown is hosting that one <laughs> she's on the regular one yeah she's on the regular one but you know when you have your minor take character spin off when your minor character yeah. gets popular you have to give them a spin-off and speaking <laughs> of minor characters that deserve a spin-off i think now yes. is a good time to talk about engineer from the uss hiawatha jet reno played by tig nataro who was amazing, mm-hmm. and I'm so enraged that that's all we're going to see of her. That's it for the season? Um, I She is not part of the main cast, and I had heard this was going to be a brief appearance. We may see her one more time, but it seems like we kind of wrapped it up pretty neatly. I don't think, from a story point, we have to see her again, even if no, I wish we would. What was the would. point of the whole episode, Jess, if we're not going to see these people? Well, the point of the whole episode... There's kind of three things happening. One is mm-hmm. we can't just dump the main action of the of the season onto everybody right out of the gate. It's mm-hmm. like remember how bonkers that first season was. Imagine we just like hop right back into the action and like there's five more secret Klingons and two more secret universe people and it's just too much. It's and whatever weird twists are coming down the road, we got to we got to kind of dip our toes in the water first. So this is the dip our toes in the water episode. That's yeah. one thing. It's very self-contained. I feel like the mission of the Hiawatha, they wrap it up at the end, they go and see it, but it also provides an entry point into whatever the main antagonist of at least the season half is going to be. It's these red things that all showed up simultaneously and they have something to do with Spock. And I think we got just enough of a taste of that, that we're going to be kind of eased into this mystery. But on the other hand, the actual pieces of the puzzle that we needed to solve this episode, we solved them. There was a distress call. There was a strange signal that led people to rescue this ship. And they had an exciting action sequence with a great rescue mission. They rescued yeah. the people. Everyone's okay. I thought it was great. Everyone except Connolly is okay. No, 
no, we're not. We're not done here. We're not done here because what? The, the, why? Why did any of this happen? Why? Why did the Hiawatha get get stuck with this with this particular asteroid and everything going on there? Why were they there at the uh, at the red dots? It doesn't make any sense. They have to be involved. We'll find out, but there's enough mystery there that we want to come back next week. But all the people that needed to be rescued are rescued. We're not sitting here wondering if, like, if Engineer Reno is dead or alive. And we're not mm-hmm. wondering, like, we didn't introduce so many new threads without tying up old ones. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, many shows do that these days. Like, that's the that's the new style. So this was yeah. this was very... I thought this was very TNG-esque in its approach to storytelling. Like, we'll have a big antagonist that might last a few episodes, but we're also going to, we're going to make sure that you come away from the episode feeling satisfied that we've tied up the immediate problem in front of us. So, I, I have to feel like we're going to see uh, Tignataro again. I hope so. I, I really do, because I thought the character was so fun. The one thing I would gripe about is I feel like I feel like the character was a little too awesome. Mhm. Because she was she had a deadpan sense of humor. She was very we funny, like she was charismatic, and she was a brilliant engineer that built her own companion robots while mm-hmm. also keeping a bunch of people in comas alive for 10 months. And performing open heart surgery on some of them, even though she's an engineer and not a surgeon. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a lot in one character. Yeah, that was a lot. It could get to be too much. Hey, the Hiawatha is uh, toast now. uh, So that uh, uh, Jet Reno needs a new place to work. Yeah, they could certainly put her to work on Disco or they could reassign her. Mm hmm. I think it all depends on what else Tignataro is up to. She could be up to a lot. Uh, her, I believe her Amazon series has been canceled. So there's that. But she's also, she's quite a busy stand-up comic. And she's done a fair amount of writing. And she may not be interested in this kind of regular gig. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, they could just keep her in engineering. And then we see her every once in a while, like uh, Lieutenant Barkley. Yeah, I, I would be... I would be fully down because I feel like she's not in every meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I, she's one of the lower decks people. I, I could get behind that. <laughs> sure. If this was a backdoor pilot to introduce Jet Reno, <laughs> the series. Don't say that on CBS All Access. I, I, I hear there's a lot of content. Home I'm of just the backdoor saying. pilot. <laughs> I'm just saying this might have been a backdoor pilot. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Yeah. So. I guess we have to talk about the red dots then. Yeah. We've talked about the red dots and the asteroid that defies all laws of conventional science. Mm hmm. Where do you think this is going, Rob? Do you have any idea what it could be? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, so at the end of the episode, we see uh, Michael Burnham. She's going into Spock stuff and he ultimately is talking about his uh, his nightmare and then he has like this star map and it coincides with where these uh you know uh red pulses are throughout the galaxy but yeah i have no idea i don't know how this ties into spock yeah there's 
at the top of the episode, they see these red pulses. They chase down one of the red pulses. They have the contained story that we just spoke about. And then Spock knows about the red dots. And there's another thing that ties into the red dots that I thought was a little bit interesting, where Michael Burnham is trying to bring back a sample of the asteroid and she's holding on. As soon as she touches the Mm -hmm. chunk of asteroid, she has this vision where she sees like a butterfly woman. Yes. And then she drops it. And it turns out the butterfly woman is actually Captain Pike. So, okay. But it turns out that the asteroid piece can't be transported because of science. We've never seen that before. We've never seen that before. And Tilly's really excited about it because yeah. if she finds a thing that defies science, that's new science. And it's probably very good for her career. Mm-hmm. But that piece of it is a little weird as well. Like, do all of these red things also have science defying asteroids attached to them? And are they all like, is Spock controlling them with his brain or is they get into Spock's head somehow? Yeah, I don't know. My theory was that Spock was going through Pon Far. I thought that that might be <laughs> it's seven years before the timeline of the original series. Like maybe, oh, maybe Spock has to go to Vulcan for Pon Far. Yeah, maybe. I I feel like That's why he's acting so weird. I feel like Pon Far has been done to death in the Star Trek <laughs> universe though. <laughs> yeah, well, it happened for 7 years. I don't know, they let the they let the Vulcans on Voyager go through it. <laughs> yeah. I I think there's only enough like there's only enough Pon Far related content <laughs> for about two full episodes which we've already gotten. And mm-hmm. other than that, it's like it's focusing that much on how a species does it. And like every new character that comes on the scene, you're like, oh, wow, how does that guy do it? And that gets creepy. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> well, I was just trying to come up with some reasons why Spock wasn't acting like himself. He is like he came up with a question he couldn't figure out. Yeah. That's what Pike said. I, I guess Pon Far would be the most logical answer to that. And you know how Spock feels about logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what are these red dots and then what does it have to do with Spock? Yeah. Well, Spock went on vacation, which is also very not like Spock. Mm-hmm. And I think next episode is probably when we start to track him down. And I don't think they give Michael Burnham an infinite amount of leave to go track down Spock. Mm-hmm. So we got to see him right away. Yeah. We'll get some answers then, I hope, and probably get five more questions that we don't have the answer to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are the red dots, are, are they a threat, Jess? It seems like they almost died going to investigate one this week, and mm-hmm. one guy did die. So I would say if you're Connolly, you probably think it's a pretty big threat. Yeah, I thought that Pike was really out of line with and I'm no Starfleet captain, but, uh, you know, I I think I was more team Saru with that, where it's like, yeah, it seems like there's nobody down there. It doesn't seem like it's worthwhile to risk all of our lives, uh, all four of our lives to go check out and make sure there's nobody down there. That that seemed like that that was a really big risk. It was, but I do have to give him props because he was like, okay. If it is a big risk, and I recognize that's why I'm going to go myself and bring my two guys with me. Mm -hmm. And you only have to bring the one crazy guy who's going to 
risk your life for anything anyway. Yeah, but it's not like that there was any sort of like, hold up, was that a life sign? I don't know. That's weird. All right, let's go check. Let's go check. There was no reason to believe anybody was alive down there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it ended up being kind of like the the nursing home in the second episode of The Walking Dead. (laughs) Yeah. With uh, the Gatos? Is that what it is? Vatos. Gatos is cat. Yeah. So, you know, same same difference. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's a good thing they went down there because there were people, but he could very easily have been wrong. That's true. Yeah. But he could also very easily have been like, yo, I'm the captain. I say we're going down there. And how about you go down there since you're questioning me? Yeah. Big action set piece. Uh, that must have cost uh, a fortune to uh, just get them down there. It was very full of CGI. Like It was mm-hmm. very obvious CGI as well. And I I think sometimes that also takes me out of it um, for everything to be so CGI heavy. I need a few more practical effects up there. Yeah, that it was, you know, big action sequence, but. You know, it's a little bit like, oh, I'm, I'm, I know that, you know, uh, who's not going to die. So uh, I, I do check out a little bit during that stuff. Yeah. Well, and it comes back to what I said before. You know, if you send four people down and two of them are played by, <laughs> you know, sea level guest actors, you know that if one of them's not coming back, it's going to be one of those two. And you especially know it's not Pike because Pike is not going to die at any point throughout this series because we need mm-hmm. him back to be in his box in the original series. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, something terrible is going to happen to him someday, but it's yeah. not going to be today. Jess, can you refresh my memory on uh, what's going on with, with Pike in the menagerie? So that he is like a, he's like a quadriplegic at, at some later date. And there's like some accident that happens. And then he's trying to get back to the planet in the, uh, in the cage. Yeah. Well, the story is the planet of the cage, his crew goes to investigate, uh, to see if there are any signs of life, which is kind of funny considering what we did in this episode. Uh, he goes down to investigate to see if there are signs of life from a crashed starship that landed on this planet. And what he discovers is these, it's populated with these aliens that have a higher consciousness. And the one survivor of the crash has been, she was horribly disfigured and she's an old woman, but they've made her think that she is a young, healthy, vibrant, beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And Pike starts to kind of develop feelings for her. And at a certain point, decides that he needs to leave her there on this planet um, in her delusion. And then over the course of attempting to save everybody, he gets exposed to this radiation at some future point and is confined to this box, unable to speak. And all he can do is like he's inside his washing machine. and He can only light up like one for yes yeah. and two for no. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And but the, he want he wants to go back to the menagerie yes. planet because it's like a uh, San Junipero situation. It's totally a San Junipero situation. And then at the end of the menagerie, he gets to go back there and be in his head with the young, beautiful woman. Okay, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I remembered. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I saw somebody call out on Reddit uh, when he picks up Lorca's fortune cookie message yes. at the end of the episode. It was a neat little shout out to the original series. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Because let me find the. Oh yeah, not every cage is a prison. Not every loss eternal. Yeah, which is kind of an interesting like, shout huh. out. Okay, huh. I'll remember that. Yeah, I'll remember this fortune cookie for the rest of my life. Uh, I did find it extremely implausible that whatever sort of Roomba goes around uh, <laughs> disco had missed this <laughs> this fortune for all this time. Lork has been gone a while. Yeah, the future is so clean and empty. This mm-hmm. bothers me. Like people don't have personal artifacts. Like they'll have one personal artifact, and like yeah. Spock because. Marie Kondo has taken over and everything did not give people joy. And so you only have like one thing. It's like, this is what makes me happy. And that's it. Yeah. And so Spock is sitting in this room, the size of a basketball court at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Here's young Spock inside this giant, empty basketball court with a desk in the middle of the room. The only thing that gives him joy. I I guess so. I, I don't think that even gives him joy. He didn't seem very happy. It's like if you go into Riker's quarters, like there's a trombone <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> there's a trombone. The only possession. And there's like a blow up doll in the closet. <laughs> he doesn't need a blow up doll. Come on, Joss. He's Riker. Oh. He's Riker. So yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. It's like the one thing that defines your personality is the one yeah, thing yeah, you're allowed you're... to have. So Michael Burnham has one book. Yeah, St- Spock has like the, a desk and a 3D chess set and, and some bells. Uh, yeah, he has like some bells. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and like you go what into you, need? you go into Scotty's quarters and there's like scotch and that's all he has. <laughs> and a bagpipe. <laughs> you don't have a lot of things on Star Trek. I, I guess it's a post cash society. Mm-hmm. People don't spend money in the 24th century, so. What would they even like? They, how would they even get the things? Yeah. And sometimes you could have like one picture of your family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And, or a book, one book. <laughs> Maybe that's a Starfleet rule. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes also uh, people will have like an easel. Like they've like, they're like in the middle of like painting something. Yeah. Data had an easel <laughs> and a cat. A <laughs> gatos. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, uh, not a holographic dragon. No, no. Well, the holographic dragon that yeah, that's not that doesn't count as an object because you could stuff it back in your desk when you're done. Yeah. So Spock has nightmares, Jess. What 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 is he having nightmares about? This uh, the the red fairy. Yeah, maybe he's having night. He must be having nightmares about the red fairy because that seems like something that's going to keep coming back. But. I like to think he's having nightmares that that dragon he created to terrorize his adoptive sister is coming back for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was scary. Yeah, like maybe, maybe don't do that. Yeah, no, I like that uh, Spock was kind of a uh, D.I.C.K. as a kid. A little bit, a little bit. Um, I mean, he had his own troubles. I know that Vulcans are famously racist for and they didn't like the half human side of him. And he had a lot on his plate Mm -hmm. and then he has a new adoptive sister makes his family situation even weirder in this famously xenophobic society. So I guess maybe he was just anticipating what was going on, but he still could have been a little less of a jerk. Yeah. Uh, Lighten up Spock. Be nice to your sister. Yep. Um, Yeah. Of all the, you know, there's 50 years of Star Trek lore. I'm sure we're not the first people to tell Spock to lighten up. Yeah. 
Did you like it though that Sarek uh, like intentionally brought in Michael Burnham because he wanted to teach Spock about empathy? Do you feel like that that was at like uh, some a, a different twist on uh, the character where you know he was sort of like a, a raised to be able to function with humans? Well, here's the weird thing about all of that, like. That's weird of Sarek. It's kind of weird and opportunistic of him. Like, oh, here's this orphaned child. I guess I'll take her in because I need someone to teach my son about empathy. Like, are we living in a Bronte novel now? Is she going to be like his governess? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, Maybe. It's a little weird. And also, didn't Spock have another sibling? Yeah, well, I think that that was in Star Trek V, Cybok, but I, I believe that Star Trek V is considered to be apocryphal and what? not part of the Star Trek canon. Yeah. So we're just excising whole movies now? Yeah, Cybok is not. I, I don't believe that's officially considered part of Star Trek canon. I don't know about this. Star Trek V is not considered that the Enterprise <laughs> NCC 1701A did not meet God. <laughs> that is not that is not considered part of Star Trek canon. It has never been referenced anywhere else. All right. All right. But so you're, you're saying that all of that was like a big hallucination and Spock never had another brother. Yes. OK, that is sloppy writing. The universe filled <laughs> well, with sloppy I think it writing. Was, yeah, with all there's I think that uh, it was uh, I think that there was a lot, a lot of backstory on the uh, Star Trek five uh, uh, set where uh, I think that that was the one that was directed by William Shatner. A lot of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think that uh, that's the one they don't talk about. Yeah, well, Cybok is the Vulcan word for Chuck Cunningham, in other words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, I don't know if they if they do anything else with uh, with Cybok. Yeah, I it's not a piece of trivia that I I haven't seen Star Trek five in many years, but I just remember it as being the weird one where they met God. Yeah. (laughs) What does God need with a starship? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I can see why we might want to ignore that. Yeah. What are we doing with the asteroid, Jess? Um, I think we're studying it because it defies all science. I think we're analyzing its chemical composition. We're performing experiments on it. I hope it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, we just pulled up a little piece of another universe that could totally tear a hole in the fabric of space time because that's historically not gone very well for Star Trek. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't really want to get involved with the uh, jump drive again, but I, I, I know it's coming. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like, oh, could this be another spore drive? And that's why Stamets is like, oh, well, I'm going to cancel my plans and stick around here. Mm-hmm. That's how we yeah. we do get to keep Stamets that way. So I'm not totally mad at it. But yeah, it, it seems like, oh, well, we can't have a tardigrade anymore. And it was the spores were driving Stamets insane. So maybe we just need a new thing that's not a spore. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure we'll find more out and I'm sure there'll be another BS. You can't play God type reason why this won't work by the end of the season. And maybe that's just how we frame every season of discovery going forward. It's like, Oh, we found a new thing to replace the previous thing that we can't have anymore. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what we're headed for. Yeah. Well, eventually we got to get out of this jump drive situation by the time we get into the canon of the original series. Right. There has to be a very good reason why all of these pieces of amazing technology turned out not to be amazing because otherwise they'd be using them. You would think so. You would. You would. So is there anything else from this episode that we need to discuss? 
How is this going to work going forward with uh, Saru and Pike? They're like co-captains of the ship. I think it's more like. I think it's more like Pike feels like he can trust the con to Saru more frequently. I think sometimes your XO has a lot of power and sometimes your XO doesn't have a lot of power. I think sometimes you have a situation where you pretty much give your XO a bunch of jobs to do. Like maybe he's just like the vice president and he gets to cast a high breaking vote in the Senate sometimes. And that's about all he does. And maybe sometimes it's like a guy who's your true right hand who can do your job for you if, if it ever comes to it. So I think that's Mm -hmm. more like he's trying to afford Saru as much respect as possible. And I think at the very beginning, I think Pike rolls in thinking he knows all the answers because he's been captaining the Enterprise, which everybody says is a really sweet ship. And then immediately right out of the gate, the crew of Discovery knows a lot of stuff that he doesn't and has been exposed mm-hmm. to a lot of this technology that he hasn't. He didn't get to participate in the war. He's really out of the loop. And I think he realizes that coming in that over the course of this episode, he's not going to be the guy that can step in and save the day for all of them kind of Kirk style. He has to step back and let his people help him lead. So that's what it is. I think it's like they've been through some stuff that he can't comprehend. And he needed this episode to realize that. And just, do you think that we are going to get a more TNG style ready room now on disco? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like this upcoming season is going to be borrowing from that storytelling model in a lot of ways. And I think we're going to get quite a bit more of that. And I think we already started to see more of the bridge crew in their element doing their jobs and they named them all, which they Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily do. Yeah, roll call. and we're going to get a little bit more of that and more of a collaborative effort. Yeah. No, I do feel like that they tried to set this up where people could jump in here at the start of season two. Right. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And I'm, I think there are some interesting background characters and I would love to know more about. So I think this is, this is going to be okay. I hope we're still in for some totally bonkers twists and turns, but Right now, as it is, I think this is a solid piece of Star Trek, and I'm looking forward to more. All right. So, we love hearing from you guys. Loved getting tweets from everybody uh, this week as you were discovering the show. And please feel free, as soon as you catch the episode, Rob and I are going to be have a standing engagement on the weekends to talk this over, usually on Saturday nights. So, if you have questions for us, things you want us to discuss, get them to us by probably Saturday afternoon, and we'll be able to bring them up on the on the podcast. So you can do that by tweeting at any number of places. You can tweet at us directly. I am at Haymaker Hattie and Rob's feedback department is at PineappleBoy27. No, I haven't been uh, too negative. Uh, you, can, uh, you, you can send uh, your your feedback to at Rob Sesternino. That's oh, fine. Oh, wow. We, we got promoted. That's fine. That's okay. fine. Okay. I haven't had a reason to uh, drop a Pineapple Boy 27 on the d- disco podcast yet. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that Pineapple Boy 27 is equipped to handle anything, but if you just want to keep it between the two of us, that's great too. If it's a more of a rant, that, that that's that one is my goes to my immediate inbox. Yeah, well the show hasn't done anything worthy of a rant yet. You are correct on that front. So <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see. And yeah. we we love getting comments on postshowrecaps.com. Find the thread for the episode. 
And that helps you out if you have a little bit more than 280 characters worth of feelings about the show. You can leave it there. Um, we will be back next week with more of the same. And you can find this and many other fine shows being recapped post the show at postshowrecaps.com. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Special thanks to our friends over at True Car for sponsoring this episode of Post Show Recaps. Every car comes with a share of stories that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up your first date, that luxury package you got after that big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer long while you can't put a price tag on your stories. Now with True Car, at least you can find out what your car is worth when you go to sell it or trade it in. Just go to True Car. Simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation, moonroof, watch as they bump up your value. High mileage. You already knew it was going to cost you but now you can find out how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead and once you're finished you get a true cash offer sent in minutes which you could take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in so when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car check out true car today true cash offer not available in all areas